Chris, and this is the KM Lobby. We're here to help you find out more and discover what's going on in the world of knowledge management. I am joined by Monica Denise Perrin, based out of England, and Janetta Guele, out of Italy. Together, we are here to explore the world of knowledge management. Monica was on holiday today, so was not able to make this recording. Hi everybody, I'm Susanna Melde. I'm based in Buenos Aires in Argentina, and I'm very happy to be here to share my insights today. What brought you to that part of the world? My job. I work for the International Organization for Migration, IOM, and I move around every couple of years, and I was posted here in uh, June 2021. What do you do for that organization? Right now, I'm what is called the Regional Knowledge Management Officer. I'm based in the regional office that covers all of South America, 10 countries. And what I do is I support colleagues in sharing their knowledge, systematizing it, exchanging learning and I also uh, am in charge of data so I analyze regional movements I do capacity building for governments on what data sources they could use so you've got a very long job description yes. <laughs> that's very interesting <laughs> I like it and it's, it's always challenging but I'm always learning well welcome to the KM lobby we are absolutely thrilled to have you here Janetta has been working behind the scenes to make this happen and thank you for being here it sounds like we're going to have a very intriguing discussion about what you're doing in the world of knowledge management. Janetta, would you like to go for the first question or? Yes, absolutely. So thank you very much from my side and from Monica, which is not today here with us. We are very happy to be uh, you to have you on board. And my first question is, uh, you recently published a regional KM strategy. Can you highlight us uh, what are the key pillars uh, and how you brought this strategy to be approved uh, at regional level? Thank you, Janetta. And uh, as a disclaimer from the start, I wanted to thank you as well because uh, you were our external consultant who helped put together the strategy. When I started about one and a half years ago here in the regional office in Buenos Aires for South America, I saw that activities were very disparate, maybe a systematization of a good practice here, maybe an exchange session there, but there was no systematic approach to where we wanted to go. Many people did not know what knowledge management meant. You know, it's one of those paradigms that came up. Everyone uses it now, but not everyone knows what it actually means. So we brought you on board for a couple of months based on a needs assessment, really what do the colleagues need? You know, what do they know? What do they not know? What are the things they would like to work on? And developed this strategy, which has seven pillars. I'm not going to mention each of them, but I think what's really important, one is to have a team. Knowledge management is quite nascent in IAM and my organization. Uh, we only have a global unit working on this for since last year in January. So it's really something that we're still working on. Uh, so it's important to actually have dedicated staff uh, who can work on this and not just among many other things we have to cover. I have to ask, in this strategy, so the key thing is is that the organizational structure is a year old. Is that what I understood? No, the organization is uh, more than 70 years old. The knowledge management unit in our headquarters has only existed for one year. Okay, so the KM, a, the KM structure. The KM part is, is really new. 
I'm based here in Buenos Aires in the regional office. There is only one other person in the regional office that covers Central and North America and the Caribbean that also works in knowledge management. Wow. And otherwise, we did not have any dedicated KM positions. They're only working on a global strategy now. So that's why I really insisted to have a strategy because also we didn't have something yeah. at the global level yet that was implemented. Having a team here in place that can support our 10 missions, uh, they're very decentralized. Uh, then also looking at innovation, it's really important, but also it's something we're interested looking at, but not doing much yet. What is the critical thing that your organization, as far as the OIM versus the KM organization, what is the most relevant metric are they measuring to calculate your success or gains? To be very honest, we didn't have any of that because there was no strategy at the global level. They're actually developing one right now. And compared to other strategies, we have a lot of strategies at the global and regional levels. It actually has an implementation plan and key metrics uh, linked to it, but they're still finalizing that. At the regional level, what we developed is, for instance, you know, they use an uptake of information or like of knowledge products. Are they actually sharing it with colleagues? Are they applying it in their work? Other aspects such as has any lesson learned or any good practice influenced another project they developed, what is called a projectized organization. So we are based mostly on projects, in, especially in um, there's also, you know, participation in, for instance, peer-to-peer -peer meetings, but also, you know, how have they used, was it relevant, what they learned in that session, and have they used it in their work? So we're really, uh, we're measuring that now at the regional level, but I think we're really advanced compared to other parts of the organization. And maybe just uh, to, to close on the question that uh, Ginetta posed, one other aspect that I thought was really uh, good and innovative was that we are including data in our knowledge management strategy. So really making sure that everything is evidence-based, which is something we're doing anyways. But I think it's really important to also link that to knowledge management because without, you know, having a baseline, as, as you also mentioned, it's difficult to see how we progress. It seems that data should be the baseline for any strategy in general, and especially for KM. But it's not always like that. Can we say that this is an innovation part of the Joachim strategy, if I understood correctly? But you were speaking also about systematization of best practice and lesson learned. Can you share with us more about what do you mean for best practice lesson learned? How you collect them? How you make them available to anyone so that they don't reinvent the well? And if you can clarify what you mean for missions, because maybe for our audience, uh, mission is not so common. Yes, sorry, we often speak in, in acronyms and um, technical jargon. So what uh, we have uh, headquarters in Geneva, and then we have what we call regional offices, and then we have what we call country missions. So it's basically our offices in the countries. We have offices in almost all countries in the world and often even sub-offices in different parts of the countries. When I say mission, I mean country offices. In terms of good practices, we developed five criteria to be considered a good practice. It needs to respond to at least three of those five. And those are innovation, uh, partnership, sustainability, efficiency, and replicability. So it needs to be something, you know, can be applied in another context. And it's not just something super unique that only works in your country. It needs to be sustainable, which is a challenge always for us. 
because when you're projectized, you're always depending on new funding coming in. Uh, so really, but it's important to already think about that early on, for instance, when you develop an online platform or portal, if that's only going to live for the duration of your project, then maybe that's not very sustainable. We've tried different approaches. We've actually worked with colleagues internally to systematize practices. We've worked with external teams where they actually pitched ideas that they thought was a good practice on migration in the region of South America. And we selected five teams and we also worked with KM consultants. And what we saw is that those external teams did a really good job because they have the expertise of that particular experience. And we really realized we work on human mobility. It has a lot of different aspects, trafficking, labor migration, return, data, and so on. It's difficult to be a KM expert and an expert on everything on migration. So we found it's really important to have someone who knows about that topic with the expertise to actually be able to also analyze if that's actually a good practice or if it's just a practice that is being used all over the world, but it's not very innovative. It's it's the standard, let's say. And, and we've seen that colleagues have trouble thinking about, is this just the standard or is this really something that we would consider a good practice that could be replicated? And what we also do is have a peer review mechanism because also Although I've been in the organization for a very long time, I know, don't know everything either. And so we have what we call regional thematic specialists. So they review to tell us, you know, is this something that is the standard all over the world or is this maybe really something new and, and worth sharing? But of course, there is also added value in just systematizing a practice because what we see, we work on certain topics, right? It's also important to not reinvent the wheel in the different offices when you work, for instance, I don't know, on integration or on data. So sharing what is being done, especially in an organization that has such a large footprint in the world. Yes, I would say those those aspects, really having the expertise of that specific area that the practice is based on and making sure it's peer reviewed. So it's not just something that is new for me because I had never heard of, of an initiative like that or for you because you've never heard of it, but because it's actually, you know, among experts working in that area, it's something new. So it's a sort of validation. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's validation. The role of lessons learned or best practices, does that fall under your umbrella or is that a separate organization? No, that also falls under my umbrella, as you mentioned at the beginning. I, I cover a lot of topics. We believe it's part of the systematization, you know, because you need to look at why is it really innovative, but also what have you learned? Even if it's a good practice, it doesn't mean it's perfect. Sure. And that's why also we don't use best practice. So we really look at, you know, what have you learned? What has worked well, but also what didn't work well. And right. one of our offices in Ecuador, they use the term uh, a lesson not learned because yeah. often, you know, you do have some learning moment, but if the team does not learn from it and is just yeah. going to continue a business as usual. Well, that function right there is usually a heavy lift for an organization in, in a couple of respects. One, it seems that if you collect a lessons learned or observation of something, uh, that's half of it, but the other half of it is what do you do with it? And you've talked about the validity, checking for validity, and you have any a, a systemic approach to in or out, keep it or not keep it kind of thing. But what happens on the distribution? How do you take that and repurpose it to distribute or add to the HR element of training and development, professional development? Where does it go? 
That's a very good point. Uh, this whole socialization and dissemination of all those practices, that's something we're still also learning and focusing on. So really beefing up internal and external communication that can be, you know, we use a Teams channel in the region. We also have a, a platform online, which is called Innova Migration, but also trying to see in different events. So when I present or colleagues, what do we already know? What are some practices that have worked well? And also making sure that colleagues who work at the more technical levels on the projects on the ground in the different countries, that they have a chance. So we organize these you know, peer-to-peer exchange sessions, but there we really uh, want to do more. You know, We have systematized quite a few practices, uh, but often it's not yet known to the colleagues. So we also want to change that culture that for instance, when you develop a new project that you start from scratch, but rather that they ask themselves, ah, okay, maybe I can look in this database if something is already there right. that I can base on. And also making the links between the different offices uh, that they you know, reach out to their colleagues and ask them that they can learn. So we see that as well already increasing uh, through also the events we're organizing, colleagues getting to know each other and knowing who to contact. Uh, so to that kind of networking aspect, I think, is, is really important. Well, the culture piece is usually one of those organizational assets that do not directly get it attended to. They're usually the byproduct of what is. What is your role? What's your organization, the KM? Is it a department, a directorate? What, what, uh... It's a unit. Uh, yeah, I only I also Unit. focus okay. on yeah, as I mentioned data and monitoring and evaluation reporting. <laughs> right, I mean that's that's your umbrella covers quite a span here. Are you guys now also in charge of culture? I think that's the underlying objective also of the the regional KM strategy, really changing that culture of how we do things. And what we did last year, for instance, also based on that regional KM strategy, is to do trainings. Because often, as I mentioned, you know, KM, you know this very well, Jeanetta knows this very well, but not everyone in an organization will know what this actually means. That really helped because often it, it sounded like it's something they have to do in addition and everyone is already overstretched. But when they realized, ah, it's actually going to help me because maybe I need to spend a bit more time now to write down or to, to share with colleagues what I've done. But then next time, everyone can just look at that document and doesn't have to ask me uh, in person. What we really try to do is explain what is the added value of KM, because that was really not known what it actually means and how it can help every person. Not all of the discussions were going great. There was some resistance, but we also you know, showed with simple things like using a SharePoint, using a shared document, which may sound really rudimentary and medieval to you, but it really makes a difference in some contexts, you know, also working with other agencies and United Nations uh, entities and governments. The email attachment is a very <laughs> big dinosaur that is hard to get rid of. Very and touching. so really yeah, showing, right. you know, if we use one shared document, we can all work on it. We don't need to wait until everyone sends in their comments. Mm -hmm. So little steps like that, really showing this can actually help you having all the documents where everyone can access them. You mean, you mean there's organizations out there that still don't do that? You would be surprised. And also <laughs> I've seen, I've worked in different offices of the organization. 
each time when I arrived, there was no shared drive where all the core documents of the office were oh based. Oh my gosh, right. So where did you get all this knowledge management brains? Where did you get all your brains around knowledge management? Where did you Actually, get those? Actually, and this is also something we, we tried to show colleagues. A lot of things I did and colleagues do is knowledge management, but we don't call it that. Like after action reviews, I had done that with my team intuitively, you know, always looking back, okay, what worked well, what didn't, what can we make do different mm -hmm. next year. I also coordinated a lot of knowledge management initiatives, although initially they were maybe not called that. I worked on a, what is called a global migration data portal, where we explain, you know, if you want to know about any type of data, what is available and what is not, because there's a lot of, you know, everyone is asking us, our supervisors, our highest level, also governments always want data on migration, but don't have an understanding of what is actually out there. So we explain that and that was a huge effort and then realized, yeah, I mean, this is knowledge management at its finest. But where did you get your training from? What's your source of knowledge? Well, it's we do it's a lot of on-the-job training and you know lifelong learning, also exchanged with other experts and other United Nations agencies, uh, literature to jump on on new opportunities and and see and and learn. So you just have you what you're saying is you just have to be open to learning. Yeah, always engage in it. Sounds easy. So all you do is you work with people that are open to learning, and you're all set. Yes, it's not that easy. We're actually thinking about you know how do you incentivize that you kind of assume voluntariness right and if if you don't have that then it's it's tricky what really helped here is our what is called the regional director so he's the head of this regional office for south america is what we would call a km champion and he has done that also when he was yeah. head of the regional office in central north america and that really helps if it comes from the highest level he joins the peer-to-peer -peer yeah. exchanges yeah. so people from the technical level get a chance to actually present you know, to someone really high up and have a different level of engagement and that really makes a difference i have to say the you know colleagues uh, who work on you know more technical positions are really interested because it actually makes your job easier if you know someone else has already done this you don't need to develop something from scratch you can just learn from them and then you know adapt it uh, to your context in other let's say more senior levels sometimes there's more resistance but it's changing because also the governments are asking us everyone wants good practices it's really the thing at the moment. Everyone wants to learn and doesn't want to you know, have to develop everything themselves. Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. So I think knowledge management at IOM is bringing uh, to the overall organization a good results. But this brings me to another question. According to your experience uh, based so far, what's the best way to deliver the content of each best practice, for example, it's through infographic, it's through a talk show, it's through a podcast, it's just a PowerPoint. Because let's take an example, uh, infographics. Infographics in some private companies is not so well seen. It's a, a waste of time, a lot of images, and the content seems really poor. But on the other side, based on my experience in NGOs, it seems that infographic is something very, very appreciated. Can you share with us what's your point of view and what's most important format to deliver a content at IOM? I think it depends a bit on the person. Of course, you know, short and concise is really useful. So for good practices, we have a one-page summary. You know, what is it about? What are lessons learned and what are the recommendations? And that really helps. And we also do that, for instance, we do a knowledge product 
after peer-to-peer -peer sessions. And then you can go back, you know, what were the resources that were shared? What were the persons as well who work on this? Because often we don't even know who works on something. Just to give you an idea, I think we're worldwide, we're more than 15,000 people. And we have some offices who are really big and have hundreds of persons, a lot of turnover. So you don't even know who to contact. And I had that aspect as well when I arrived here. I always had to ask, so who do I ask about this? For other colleagues, they have told me, especially on data, that they prefer having a short webinar where we explain these are, you know, the key trends uh, with, we always use graphics uh, on data, and then they can ask questions. Infographics for us work really, really well. Uh, governments are very interested in maps, uh, but also graphics. I think for like, let's say just classic good practices where you have a lot of text, yeah, it helps to have a summary. Of course, there's there's different people. Some are very visual. So I, for instance, remember things uh, very well through visuals. Others maybe not, but they work tend to work very well on, on our side. And often what you need to do is you need to have a very high level of knowledge to actually produce a good infographic. So for instance, this global migration data portal that I mentioned, what we did is also explaining you know, some of the concepts. So for instance, irregular migrants, everyone thinks and everyone just crosses irregularly the border. But often what happens is someone comes in on a student visa, comes in on a work visa, but then that expires. So the person becomes irregular. So we're explaining that in an infographic. And then it's a lot easier for people to also understand these concepts without having to read 30, 50, 100 pages. You know, of course, you have also students who do that, but most people have two minutes, uh, you know, to get briefed before they have to present, for instance. So infographics work really well. In addition to infographic, there is also some documents which are in the short version and in the long version. So you can provide different formats depending on your audience. This is because the main target is sharing knowledge and you have to target all your audience no matter their preferences. But this leads also to other question because you just mentioned that IOM is a very big organization. It's a little bit too high turnover because you rotate around missions do you think knowledge management can help also to transfer the knowledge when in case of the endover? Definitely. And but what I've realized is that I've been using handovers for more than 10 years. But every time I start mm. working with a new team, everyone looks at me like I just asked to jump out of the window. And so I really find Thank it's you. very important. Um, even when I go on vacation or when I travel for work, I do a handover for my colleagues and I explain to them. If you don't want me to call you on your vacation, please do a handover because then otherwise I have to play Sherlock Holmes, trying to find out who is the last person, what is the latest status. I don't think it's fair to the other person. And it's quite interesting uh, when I did my handover for the previous post I left in, in Berlin and Germany, it was really difficult to think about, you know, what is this tacit knowledge that I have? You know, how do I do liaison with other teams, with partners? What is the knowledge that is key for another person to do my job? And often it's so unconscious. It's not easy to actually put it down on paper. And I'm still realizing, ah, these are things that I'm doing that are useful to know for someone. Because for mm -hmm. me, they seem normal, but not everyone has the same style. So I think it's also a very good learning moment to see, you know, all the knowledge one has. Do you have a prototype or, or a template that the organization or you use for building that product? I think as part of what this whole mechanism of when we move from one office to the other, which is called rotation, which only applies to certain staff on international contracts. 
there seems to be a template, but I have not seen that. I think that was used uh, the year after I moved. And handovers that I do are just via email, just saying, you know, on this project or this topic, please follow up on this and that, and this is where we stand, and this needs to move forward. Uh, so trying to really be concise and getting people up to speed and also that everyone else knows where things uh, stand. Well, that's very responsible of you. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you for caring about what you do and what the next person will have to do. A lot of organizations don't have that. A lot of organizations do not have that concept or culture to know that what they know has value. And if the void is there, if there is a vacuum there with that individual and their knowledge not being there, then that affects a lot of other things in a negative way. So why wouldn't an organization want to put assets towards fixing that? Well, right now, knowledge management is really priority, also at the highest level. And you know, we have what we call a strategic vision. So it, it is really emphasized. I think what comes into play is a bit the hierarchical culture and also, I would say, generational issue. Also of how you know information is handled. Uh, some people I sometimes see do treat, you know, information as power. Uh, so they may do this uh, explicitly. Others don't realize that all the information they have is actually really important for other colleagues to do their work. Uh, I have one colleague who's really great at working with governments and different processes. And we had long discussions to actually explain that all the knowledge she has in her head is really something we need to know to be able to support her. Sometimes it's ignorance, sometimes it's, you know, also that people fear they lose power. But I find, yeah, if, if you're not able to, to hand over and, you know, build up yeah. predecessor, um, well, It's you know. a leadership style, right? I mean, it's leadership. Uh, a, a good leader would just do that. A good leader would just do anything you've been talking about because that's, that's a good leader to think about who's coming in next or what, who needs to know what. And taking a responsible position to share, build it, and then share it, whatever the format. So thank you for doing that and setting that example. It's a key ingredient, I think, to any successful organization. What would you say is your definition of knowledge management? Oh, we're doing a test now. <laughs> no. um, I... Yes. It's not multiple choice either. You are on the spot. Um, so for me, it's all the explicit and implicit uh, data information knowledge we have in an organization that can help us do a better job to innovate, to progress, and uh, help migrants for their benefit support governments. So really using all of that uh, information, making it explicit and realizing what is our added value. You know, often we do things and if you don't look at the context, is this something everyone does or is this something only uh, we have? So since when I was working on the knowledge management strategy, one of the lessons learned was we should have started with a SWOT analysis, you know, looking at what are our strengths, weaknesses, what are opportunities and threats to really think about what is our added value as IOM when we work on knowledge management. I kind of did that then halfway through uh, towards the end. Uh, but I, I think that was something maybe to look at from the very beginning. You know, what do we do really well? What is information? What is knowledge that we have and that is really valuable and that we can share? Like when we work with governments, you know, we we support them as technical secretariat or we provide, you know, input. Uh, we have very close relationships. 
and not everyone has that sort of access pointing that out that this knowledge yeah. how do you also work there's protocol issues and so on uh, how do you you know approach you can't just talk to officials like you would talk to your friend over over beer you know what are some of the diplomatic rules yeah. Okay, thank Janetta. Janetta, are you wrapped up? Do you have any other questions? I have uh, the burning question. So as you know, Susan, in knowledge management, uh, there is always the people that I call the permafrost. The permafrost are the people who always say, we have always done this, uh, why would we have to change? What's in it for me? So they face you and they just stop you any positive action, any positive initiative, whatever, because they want to maintain the status quo. What are your best suggestions to any KMer or any person who would like to implement a KM strategy in their organization, public or private, on how to face this type of people? Yeah, I think what is useful is to think about where do they come from? Is it because they they don't really know what knowledge management is and maybe they feel uncomfortable admitting that because no one wants to say, actually, uh, this whole culture change is also about admitting that you don't know something and that talking about leadership styles and styles and your management or work styles, not everyone does. So really, I tried to see where do people come from? I tried to explain and, and show, you know, these are added values. Maybe you need to invest time now, but it's going to be a lot easier because, for instance, if everyone individually asks a person about know where to find the leaf schedule then that person's going to be busy all the time but if everyone knows where to find the leaf schedule then the person can just focus on other things and then i also try to just look at the strategic context and what i tell my colleagues is the eyes on the prize of course you have you know setbacks uh, not every day is is a step uh, forward but then i try to see okay this is a bit of a hiccup maybe you know the coordination there was something we need to improve what we want is this for the governments we work for for other colleagues to learn and also i try to lead by example uh, i find that has really worked well in terms of you know i can tell or ask people five times to please upload it in the sharepoint or to please use a shared document but i do that systematically and then i just did it a couple of initial times for colleagues and then they saw it's really helpful to not having to integrate 10 word versions into one it's also important to try to make sure to have support from senior management. People are expected to do it. And then, you know, now it's, I think it's, it's this wave of, it's a momentum on knowledge management. It's really the hot topic. Governments are asking for it. Donors are asking for it. So it's really not something anyone can escape at the moment. Initially, yeah, when I started one and a half years ago here in the regional office, there was quite some resistance, but through showing and also showing new tools, you know, exciting things like new methodologies like design thinking or platforms like Mural. People get really excited when they learn new things and how it can make things easier for them. And really showing that really helped uh, to make the case. And I think we really do see a culture change here in, in the region uh, step by step. And I think that's also due to people, especially at the technical level, being very, very interested in learning from others. And so, yeah, eyes on the price for medium to long term. Basically, if we can wrap up about this, I think that you, Susan, lead by example. So you just show with your work and your commitment and your attitude how you can bring results in a positive way. Over time, the other people are more willing to follow you instead of just resistance. So the magic of making a culture change is don't use the stick use the carrots what i've been trying to do 
I remember at the very beginning, I was talking with a colleague here and he was facing some resistance on a certain tool. It was after action reviews. And so I said, well, instead of saying, don't do this, don't do that, we just show what is the added value of after, after action reviews. And actually, mm -hmm. this session was the kind of kickoff to then organize after action review trainings as a facilitator. And now we have a number of people who can do after action reviews and we use some really exciting tools. And I think it really helped instead of saying, oh, no, but, you know, you're not doing this right. Uh, actually showing this is how it can help you. This is how exciting it can be. They're all really excited about these tools uh, because it also breaks, you know, their routine repetition. So you just put it out there with the anticipation that by showing value, they'll be like, oh, ooh, that's brilliant. So you're just bringing them along without telling them you're bringing them along. I mean, sometimes the first after action review we did here in the regional office, I had to insist a bit because the classical arguments, you know, we're really busy, we don't have time. And I said, well, but we need to look at it. And then we had a really good discussion and it was, but it was actually about, okay, we have a common interest. I think that really helps. And then looking at, okay, we all can do better. We all have a stake in that something didn't work well, and we all want to do better. And we have reviewed a couple of processes. And, and I think that was really like, oh, wow, we've never done this before. We've never actually, you know, well, maybe not never before, but, you know, we haven't really done this regularly to look at, okay, why doesn't this work? I try to be very pragmatic. It's not to say that it's always <laughs> perfect. There's also been setbacks and, and resistance, but, you know, I try to then yeah. focus on other things, move, move forward. But yeah, I mean, these new tools really helped um, because people see, oh, wow, this is something that, yeah. that can help me. Well, you're showing them possibilities, right? You're showing them that there are other ways that would make life simpler if you adopt it. It's almost like you'd be a little foolish if you didn't kind of shift a little bit towards what we're talking about. My burning question is this, in your KM strategy, did you tie in a digital strategy into that mix? Is that something that you had a piece of, or do you have a separate IT type of uh, unit that just does all that by itself? And if so, how did you approach a digital strategy? Basically, we have, in terms of where we store we have internally, we use SharePoint because we can actually work on it and we don't need external web developers for every change we want to make. My colleague and I who work on this, we've learned as, as well along the way. I wasn't familiar with SharePoint at all when a couple of years ago, and then we did a couple of trainings. So we have that in-house. And then we have an, an external platform, which is called Innova Migration. And that one, we have web developers uh, because, I mean, within IOM, we have an IT team, but, you know, there's so many offices and so many basic websites also for each of the offices. One of the lessons learned on working on several platforms was yet to go with external ones. So it, it's very much integrated. So thinking about, you know, not just how do we systematize and codify uh, knowledge, but also how do we present it. And so especially, you know, for, for governments, for external uh, stakeholders. But I think you had another question about uh, nonprofits. Didn't get that part. Yeah. What's your particular advice to a nonprofit that is either adopting or starting the journey of knowledge management? What would be your advice for them to consider? I would start developing a strategy. So really do a needs assessment because it's important to look at where do they stand because one person may not have a full overview of where everyone else stands because that's not something you, you regularly share like I have no idea about SharePoint so maybe do a survey or do interviews uh, look at you know what is their added value what is the information they have really taking stock of what is all out there what are the different systems used 
what are the pros and cons. Also in our organization, you know, the tools change all the time. We started with, I think, something called Blue Jeans for webinars, then it was Zoom, then it was Teams. So really, it's, it's not easy to stay on top as well on, on all the technological advances and really thinking about where do they want to go. Because I think if you just do it like punctual here and there, will be nice, but then you may not, you know, have a strategic approach. And our colleagues have told us that it was really useful to say, for instance, the KM trainings we did were part of the implementation of the regional KM strategy. So they had an idea, ah, this is why we're doing this. It's not just, yeah. you know, another training. I mean, it's useful to learn something, but they saw the bigger picture. So I would really go for that strategic approach because then all the other activities fit in. And I think that really makes a difference. And Perfect. Any other burning questions over there in Italy or, or Belgium? No, not at the moment. I just finished all the questions. I had the pleasure to work with in the Susan team and I know the value of the knowledge management strategy and the value of Susan and their team, but as well the champion that she's leveraging for reaching the ultimate goals of IOM, which is improving the migrant's life. I would like to thank you, Susanne, for being with us and for sharing her experience, her best practice, lesson learning tips to and with our listeners. So thank you very much for being with us, Susanne. Thank you, Tineta. Maybe just to mention that it was really useful to have your external view and having had your critical <laughs> view and really having to think about, ah, oh, maybe that's not very useful how we're doing things. That can be great added value. So, and thanks for having me. Well, it was me. fabulous, Susanna. I would suggest that we follow up a year from now and see how the strategy deployed. Mm -hmm. Good, another test. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. listening to the KM Lobby Show, sponsored by Pioneer Knowledge Services. Thank you for being a part of today's discussions. The music was provided by Monologue Rockstars. The name of that piece was At the Restaurant. The executive producer for this show is Janetta Guelli. Monica, myself, and Janetta, we thank you, and we would hope to have you on to talk about your knowledge management journey. Thank you.